Ladies and, well, ladies. We're talking business. Ladies' business. No, not that ladies' business. Ladies in business. Especially tradie business. Whether you're a CEO, self-employed, working for someone or supporting someone else in theirs, this is a podcast about ladies in tradie businesses. Join your host, Nick Cox, one half of Tradies in Business and the Tradiepreneur Program, as she interviews inspirational, everyday, motivational and extraordinary women from all industries and walks of life about what it takes to be a truly successful, modern lady in business. I am joined today by a very good friend of mine, top of the list when I was thinking about who I was going to interview for this podcast so that we could bring you some really interesting business and life lessons, I think. And my very good friend, Kirsten, from a company called Betty Kit, was right at the top of my list. Kirsten, welcome. Thank you for having me. That's a very nice introduction. (laughs) Well, it's all very true. You were right up the top of the list. I've been desperate to find a way to bring your story to our tradie wives for quite some time now because it's just such an inspiring thing that you've been through and managed to find you know, that really good stuff, I guess, through some really tough times. But I'm not going to tell everyone your story. I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about who you are. Maybe you can even share a few secrets on how we came to be friends. Sure thing. So uh, I'm in my late 40s. I'm married. I've got two kids and a rescue golden retriever, Percy, who we love to bits. Um, I was a teacher, then a blogger, which is actually how we met through the blogging world. And now I run a natural skincare company. And I absolutely love your face oils. They are my absolute favourite. I can't live without them. But there's so much more to your story. I think women are particularly good at summarising who they are in about three lines and then we don't talk Mm -hmm. about all of the other stuff that goes behind it. Um, You and I met long before Betty Kit was even uh, a thought. Um, We, as you rightly pointed out, met through blogging. Um, I was blogging then under the guise of the builder's wife and you were blogging as yourself under Kirsten & Co. And we went to a blogging conference, which I love and I miss desperately still to this day. It's so much fun and a great opportunity for us as our individual business owners because that's what we were, even though many would think it was quite simply a blog. It is a a bigger business strategy. Um, We got to meet one another as business owners, which is something I know tradie wives very rarely get to do. Mm -hmm. It was a great opportunity for you and I to meet and many others. We've got lots of other great friends that we met at that time and learn from one another um, those business lessons and share what we had learned, which is a big focus of the podcast, um, yeah. is giving some of those lessons in the behind the scenes. So maybe tell us a little bit about how you came to even own a natural skincare company. It's quite mind-blowing. Okay, so it's quite the story and certainly not something that I ever thought would be on my in my future, I guess you could say. So I started the blog, Kirsten & Co., um, back in 2014. Actually, it might have even been earlier than that. Um, and I just wrote... I'd, I'd finished my teaching career and I was a little bit bored at home and I just started writing random stories about the kids were really little then so I'd sort of share a few little parenting things along the way and then I sort of it was really a mix it didn't every blogging conference we'd go to they'd say you've got a niche down and I was like I don't know how to I just like sharing everything that's going on so it was life and style and beauty and it was a bit of everything um And that was all just swimming along quite nicely. I was working with various brands, big and small. Um, It was at the very early stages of influencer marketing. So, you know, I'd worked with everyone from like big brands like Maya and Target through to smaller um, 
companies just locally run. And I was really, really enjoying that. And it really um, taught me that I could write. I didn't know that I could do that. Um, and it was a great way of connecting with like-minded women like yourself through the internet and then at blogging conferences and whatnot. So life was pretty crazy, to be honest. And um, I was just a mum in the burbs, riding away, doing a bit of freelance work. And then in 2015, I was diagnosed with a life-changing condition called idiopathic intracranial hypertension, which we call IIH for short, because that's a whole lot easier, right? <laughs> so what, um, just to break it down, because when I was diagnosed with it, it was something I had ne certainly never heard of. Um, it's very rare. It's one in 100,000 people in Australia are diagnosed with it every year, predominantly women in their 40s. Um, idiopathic means they don't know what the cause of it is. Intracranial means it's all in your head. So there's too much. Uh, so, yeah, intracranial is like around your brain and in your head. And hypertension means there's too much pressure. There's elevated pressure. So basically I have, for some reason, my body produces too much um, spinal fluid mm -hmm. and that's all sitting around my head and that was causing, uh, putting pressure on my optic nerves. And it was giving me a whole lot of really small random symptoms, like my balance was a bit off. Um, I had facial numbness on my left side. But then it got to the point where um, my, I was starting to lose my eyesight. Mm. So that pressure pushing on my optic nerves is what was causing that. And it started off as my vision was just a bit patchy. And then it got to the point where whenever I would stand up, um, the vision in my left eye would go completely black wow. and it would stay black for a good three to five seconds, which doesn't sound like a long time. But if you're standing up and you can't see anything except black out of one eye and you're waiting desperately for that to come back, it feels like an eternity. Absolutely. So, yeah, so that happened a couple of times. And it was at that point that I, the third time it happened, I thought something serious is going on here. I need to get myself to a doctor. So very long story short, I um, saw an ophthalmologist, an eye specialist and had an MRI and a lumbar puncture and the diagnosis was confirmed. And then that sent me into um, five years of battling to get it into remission, seeing a neurologist, an ophthalmologist, an endocrinologist every six weeks for roughly five years. All the gists. You should have yep. behind your own name by now. I tell you what, I've sat in some waiting rooms over my time. I feel like I do deserve some sort of gist at the end of my name. It is one of my favourite parts of your, your social media. You and I um, play a fair bit on Instagram together. And yeah. your waiting room floors is one of my very favourite uh, threads oh. that you post on social media because it's hilarious and they're so common. You know exactly when you see the floor plat and I know exactly where you are and what you're doing. Yeah. But it certainly gives me a laugh. And you and I have thrown those back at one another a bit over the Yeah, we have. You've got to find the humour in everything, I think. If you um, if you don't, the, the opposite of that is not a fun place to be in. So, yeah, I try to um, keep things light where I can. Mm. It must have been really isolating. And I'm, I'm trying to put myself out of what I know about your situation. Otherwise, I'll probably speak too um, closely to it. But I can imagine it must have been really isolating for you during those five years, trying to find that balance that you have now, um, mm -hmm. you know, it, it was, it stopped your business for quite a period of time. There was quite a period where you weren't able to write or participate in social media and do all of the fun things that used to connect you to people around you. Um, yep. How did you get through that isolation? Like that must've been a very challenging part of not even knowing really what was going on. 
Yeah, that's a really good question and something that no one's actually asked me before. So, um, and it, it is something that I don't talk about very often because there were some really dark days. And I, I know I just said I try to find the humour and everything, but, you know, when you're faced with a life-changing situation, it doesn't necessarily need to be a health situation. You know, I've had girlfriends go, have gone through really bad relationship breakdowns or businesses that have not gone how they wanted it to. You know, that that is something that's really hard and can be really lonely to get through. Um, and while I, the IIH itself obviously had quite a big impact on just me being able to see, and if it was left untreated, I would have lost my eyesight. It wasn't the IIH that actually made me unwell. It was the medication I had to take. So it was a bit of a double-edged sword. So I was on a lot of medication, um, particularly in the first two years. Um, I was taking up to 20 tablets a day. I had alarms set on my phone because I had to take them every three hours. I had to go for weekly blood tests to make sure my kidneys and my liver wasn't shutting down. So it was, I just, I went from just living a very normal life to living life on the couch. And we, we kind of joke, my husband and I, Scott and I joke that 2015 was year of the couch yeah. um, because that's where I did in fact live. I just would get up in the morning I'd do the school run with the kids. I'd have a bucket with me because I was so nauseous. I'd put that on the passenger seat, do the school run, come home, sleep, wake up for my tablets when the alarms went off, go back, do the school run again, come home and then say to the kids, um, it's probably going to be cereal for dinner again tonight because I just was capable of nothing. Yeah, and my husband was travelling a lot at the time too. So, um you know, everything changed. And it, you're right, it was very isolating, particularly because I had something that I didn't really understand what it was at the time because I didn't, I hadn't heard of it. And I didn't really look that sick. Mm. So I still kind of looked like me. Um, although I do look back at photos now and think, wow, I really was very unwell. I didn't realize it at the time, but essentially I looked like me. Um, so what I started doing was actually writing when I could and I just started sharing little bits and pieces of my health story on the blog, mainly because people were so like, what is wrong with you? Like, what do you have? I mean, like family and friends. And I just was exhausted having to explain it all the time. So I thought I'm just going to write when I have a neurologist visit, for example, and just update everyone. And then that way if people ask, I can just send them the link. And they can just read it. And it's easier than me having to just repeat the same thing over and over. It's a bloody great so, idea. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, it was very isolating. But also when I could write, there was connection there. So, you know, and I've got a really lovely um, community of readers, readers and they followed along with the story and the journey. And I think that really helped me mm. um, because I was able to just get all the words out and all the feelings out. And mm. then I could just get on with, right, what's the next hurdle to jump or the hoop to jump through? Mm. It, it, I remember it distinctly being quite a tough time. And, I, you know, when you say life-changing, I don't think that really encompasses how big a change it was for everybody in your life. It wasn't just your life that changed. It's your husband, mm. your children, your family, your readership, your community that you talk about. It, it, was, it touched everybody. And I think that we tend to again as women we do a really good job of downplaying what's happening to us in our lives and with time and reflection i imagine mm -hmm. that you must be able to see the impact that it had for those around you as well as yourself yeah because you know i was essentially a full-time mum with you know doing blogging sort of not on the side but it didn't take me out of the house to a regular nine-to-five job put it mm -hmm. that way so the kids were used to me just 
being at school, helping out at school events and um, helping out in the classroom. And because my husband was traveling a lot, you know, I was pretty much running the house. And then all of that changed for all of us. And I just went from someone that was very actively involved in family life to not being able to function on any level as a wife, as a mum, as a friend, like nothing. I just, I couldn't offer anyone anything. Um, and it did really teach me a lot about myself. I, I realised that um, how much other people relied on me for so many things. And it was a time that just forced me, which I think as women, we don't, we're not very good at doing. It forced me to actually put myself at the top of the to-do list. Mm. I, I didn't have a choice. I had to get better. I, I couldn't, I couldn't go blind. I had to, you know, I wanted to see my kids grow up and eventually travel with Scott and that kind of thing. And so there was no other option. I just had to take care of me. And so everything else just had to stop and other people had to either step up or step away. That was really up to them. And I just had to accept whichever route that took. Great opportunity for a life audit, which we never, ever do, do we? No, we do not. And I, I'm a big believer in silver linings. I always have been. I never realised at the time what the silver linings would be from being so sick. But one of them was I really did prioritise myself. And I think, um, you know, now sometimes my IH will flare up a little bit. I am officially in remission, but it, the symptoms do come back from time to time. And that's a really good level. It's a really good reminder that, you've got to just slow down and look after yourself again you're doing too much or you're not doing enough or of certain health wise things um so that has you know it sounds a bit of a cliche but that has been a blessing in disguise absolutely i think we we all tend to take our health for granted and it's not until we're put in a position where we have to really consider what we've done previously and make some change that we actually even think about it for the most part we just get so bogged down in doing what we do and being busy and and mums and wives and friends and we don't prioritize ourselves and our health very rarely. And if we do, it's still, it's not top of the list. It's still generally, I'm going to get to do that exercise at some point, mm -hmm. or I will stop eating the kids food and make my own lunch at some point. You know, it's, yep. it's that at some point we have to prioritize ourselves. It's yeah. unfortunate that it took such a shock in your case. And as you say, that led to a bunch of silver linings and it wasn't just placing yourself top of the list. You also found a fantastic opportunity to step into a whole new business space, doing mm -hmm. something that I now know that you absolutely love. Um, tell us a little bit about how Betty Kit, that wasn't always Betty Kit, came to be. Yeah. So um, I've always been a fashion and beauty junkie. Love, love anything to do with style and yeah, skincare and that kind of thing. So that's always been an interest of mine. Um, and when I was on all the medication I was on, it really wreaked havoc with my skin because the idea of all the medication is to get rid of all the excess fluid that's in your body. Um, and so that left me physically and my skin very dry and dehydrated. So I was constantly thirsty because I was dehydrated all the time, but my skin was really dry and dehydrated and sensitive. So it went from being quite healthy to just all the things that you can think of that you don't want your skin to be. I had the, I had the trifecta of that. So um, I think it was about 18 months into being on all the medication and my husband is a um, blender by trade. So he um, manufactures chemicals for the car wash industry mm -hmm. and um, he's responsible for a lot of product development in, in chemicals and that kind of thing and he would quite often look at my beauty products because I had quite a few of them um <laughs> he, he would like look at the back of them and say oh, I've got that ingredient at work I've got that ingredient I've got that ingredient I could make that and I I sort of 
was, as I said, it was about 18 months in. I was really sick because I was taking all this medication and I was like, that's really gross. Like I had not stopped to think about the fact that things that I was putting on my skin also go through a power wash, but obviously in completely different doses, you know, like it's, but it's same, same, but different. And so I just said to him one night, um, because my skin's always loved face oils because it is so thirsty and face oils work so well to hydrate. And I was using a face oil, but I was also really sensitive to smell at the time. And it just had a really overpowering smell to it. And it was a weird color. It was a color that like was orange. And I was like, oils should not be orange so I, I just said to Scott can you make me one of these but can you make me it can it be all natural and I'm I'm a I'm pretty strict about what I want to put on my skin so I gave him a long list of you know it's got to be really quick absorbing it's I don't want to smell it needs to look like an oil it's gonna be super hydrating could you please make me one and he was like yeah sure so he did he actually made in the first blend he made, I was like, no, thank you. Thank you, next. On to the next one. And, he, and on the third blend, I put it on my skin and I was just like, this is incredible. It's my skin's drinking it out. It feels so good. Um, thank you, basically. And so I just was using it. It was never meant to be a business. It was not a product created to sell. It was just something I had it in a dodgy little container sitting on my bathroom bench. And every day and every night I would put it on. And then one night I said to him, because I was having trouble sleeping as well, so I said to him, can you make me that same face oil, but I'd like a night version with a bit of lavender and chamomile in there and a bit of rosehip because I know that's really good for your skin. Um, so he made a day, a night one. Mm-hmm. So I was using both. And then readers of the blog, every now and again I'd post, you know, photos on Instagram and stuff, readers of the blog and family and friends started commenting that my skin was looking a lot better and that I was looking healthier and was I getting better and so I just say oh it's just something Scott made for me you know it's just a face oil he made and then a complete stranger in a um, boutique which funnily enough is now one of our stockists um, she said to me I'm like she we were just both in the shopping and she said oh my god do you mind me asking what you use on your skin it's glowing and I went oh it's just something that my husband made for me and she said can you make me a whole vat of it and can I dip my head in it (laughs) and it wasn't because humor is kind of my go-to it really wasn't until that shit like it made me laugh that it triggered and I was like oh my god I think we've made something that could help other women Mm. and I had no idea that so many women in their 40s particularly have dry skin I had no idea um because this was like five or six years ago and so I went home and I said to Scott um I think you've made something that can help other people and I've, I've had so many comments and the pennies just dropped do you think we could turn this into a business and Keeping in mind, I was still really sick at this point. Like in the, I was really sick. And I think he said yes. And I think really the only reason looking back on it, and we have discussed this, the only reason he said yes is because for the first time in a long time, he saw a spark back in my eyes of this is going to give her something to focus on that's not sitting in a neurologist's office, yes. which FYI are super depressing places to sit. <laughs> um, and, you know, and if, you know, so I think he thought this is just something that, Kirsten can do we can do it together but you know it'll give her a focus because I wasn't really blogging as much anymore and I just yeah I was in a bit of a dark place Mm. so that's how it started um we didn't have because I mean I had no business plan or anything I just thought this will just be a little hobby so I set about we did everything I did everything myself Mm. um Scott made the product we had a budget of five thousand dollars and to do everything from marketing website product development packaging everything and um I just said 
just got I'm coming in under budget and we're not going to spend all that and because I I always go to the worst case scenario in every big decision I make mm-hmm. so I thought to my I said thought to myself worst case scenario I'll I'll spend maybe half of that amount of money and then if nothing sells all of our family and friends will just get a butt ton of face off Christmas <laughs> so that was kind of that was how it evolved um and so it's it took from that time where we kind of went okay let's let's do this to when we actually launched was a good six to seven months. Mm-hmm. So it was a really long process. I built the website, found all the packaging, you know, did the market. We didn't do any paid marketing. Everything was just organic through Facebook and Instagram and sharing the story and whatnot. And and um, when we launched, I, I we had 300 people on our email list and I thought to myself, well, 10% is a really massive conversion rate. So, yeah. you know, that's huge. So I thought, if we can get 30 people, if we can get 30 sales, I'll be stoked. I'll just be high-fiving myself. I'll be so excited. And the first order came through at 5.30 in the morning and then did not. that was on a Friday and it did not stop for seven days. We sold 200 bottles of face oils in wow. 48 hours. We actually sold out, but I deliberately didn't say we sold out because um, I knew Scott could make more yeah. and... Um, if I said sold out, I was like, well, people aren't going to purchase. So he just kept making, he was just up all weekend <laughs> making more face oil and blending it and whatnot. And I was busy trying to um, find more boxes to send the orders to. And it got to a point on the Friday where every order, um, every order I was packing to send out, two more were coming in. Wow. So, yeah, that's kind of the short version of it. And, I mean, that all sounds amazing. Sure. but. You know, it, it, it's it's the momentum afterwards that's the hardest part. A launch is, it's not easy, but it is sort of kind of an easier part. Mm. And it the next four years that have followed have, you know, been a real mix of high and low um, business-wise. Creating that longevity is probably the hardest thing to do in any kind of business, but particularly, and you and I have spoken at length at this, about this, in the beauty industry, it's such a big market and it's well saturated. It's really hard to find a niche in. So it does kind of set up that, um, I guess, opportunity for the ebb and flow. And it takes a lot of work for you and Scott. And I know at various times you've had some other teams support you through that so that you can continually be at the forefront. You know, it's really hard even just to work with the social media algorithms so that you actually pop up to the right people at the right time so that you can build that mm-hmm. sense of community and that following. Um, but there is so much more to business than the little synopsis that you've given us and I am blessed to have shared in some of your journey and understand some of the, the hard times and the joy, of course. There's been some amazing things off the back of what you've done here with Betty Kit. Tell us about maybe a couple of those lessons where they were hard ones to learn, but they resulted in something that contributed to that longevity of the company. Well, probably the hardest lesson to learn uh, has to do with trademarking. So when we launched, we actually launched under a completely different name, which I can tell you what it is. It's not, you know, we're not we're not going to get into any trouble, but we launched under the name Skin Boss. And I actually found finding a name for the business one of the hardest part, hardest things to do. And I came up with Skin Boss because it actually has the initials of all of our family in there. So Scott, Kirsten, and our kids are Bailey and Sophie. So their initials are all scattered in amongst the word skin boss. And then I was like, be your best your own skin. Yep, we've got it. So we launched under that name. And then um, 
we only launched with two products, Get Up and Glow and Sleep On Out, our day and night face oil. And what we started to notice was happening was about, I don't know, not very long into it, a couple of months into it, people were starting to use um, those product names for blog posts Mm. and different things that weren't actually associated with our product. So the penny dropped and I was like, I think we need to trademark those names. So we did. And in that process, I said, well, we better trademark Skin Boss as well. And it was then that we realised the word boss is actually trademarked. So we sought the advice of an IP lawyer and he said, yes, you need to change your name and you need to come up with a word that does not exist Mm. because that's the only way in the skincare industry everything's taken. It's the only way you'll get it trademarked. So that was a massive learning curve. And we were about, at that point, we were about a year in when we um, went down that path. And we were sort of, you know, on a really upward trajectory, didn't say that quite right, but you know what I'm sort of trying to say. Um, Things were moving upward fairly rapidly. And then all of a sudden, I just had to halt everything Mm -hmm. because the time it takes from when you lodge a trademark application to getting the green light is nine months. And I didn't want to say to our community, we're going to change our name in case we didn't get the green light on Betterkit. And then we'd be back to square one again. So we kind of, like, we kept going, but all of our plans for getting stockists and expanding wholesale-wise just had to all be put on pause because I didn't want to get into that sphere of business and then say to all of our stockists, sorry, we're now rebranding. Mm-hmm. It just, yeah. So that was the biggest lesson. But I will say that, um, and also the most frustrating and sad, it's like there were a lot of tears over that, let me I'm tell sorry. you. Um, but, you know, when you have a good, community behind you and when you share from a place that's genuine and authentic and you build that level of trust um, everybody just gets behind you and so I feel so lucky that we have such beautiful customers and community support because they as soon as we said we're changing the name everyone was just oh I can't wait to find out what it is and you know and and that kind of again a silver lining built a whole new momentum of Mm. marketing and um, products and we released more products when we released the name and so it in hindsight it was very stressful but it probably actually did turn out to be for the best definitely nobody else has Betty kit it's totally yours nobody can borrow from it nobody can mm-hmm. use it in any other way um, I think it really was a silver lining and I do remember how tough it, like it was huge and having been through the trademark process myself it's really challenging. It's not cheap either. It's not a flippant no. thing that you do. So to get that way through and then realise I'm going to have to have a change or put it out there and hope that nobody takes it, and of course they're going to, it's it's a big decision to make, of course. But I think you also undersell yourself. I think you've done a fantastic job all the way along of building that community, but also your marketing Uh, background experience what you do is phenomenal and you do a brilliant job of releasing in just little bite-sized bits what's coming next what's what's happening within the company something for everybody to get excited about so they are buying into that story which I think is something that even trade businesses can do really really well when they're looking for some sort of experience was that something that you had experience in or something that you learnt yourself as you were moving through the process um, a little bit of both. I mean, my dad has had a business that he started in 1990 and started from the garage of our family home and he still has that business now. So I've watched that grow. I'm, I'm a real people watcher. 
it's one of my favorite hobbies is just to sit you know back in the old days when we could travel I love sitting in an airport watching people but um you know so I just I've watched a lot of people like and good friends of his that have also had business and they're all a bit old school because they're in their 70s now and I really like that old school way of doing business where you basically obsess about your customer and and obsess about the customer experience and I now try everything we do, I try to think to myself as a consumer, what do I want? What do I want to see? Then that's probably what our customers want to see because it's a product that was originally developed for my own use and now helps thousands of other people. Mm. I'm pretty sure if I keep obsessing about what our customers want, we'll be okay. So, you know, I, I nothing is really overly strategic. I just come from a place of um, thinking about other people. and. I think when you sort of run a business that's heart-led, um, then that's a really nice place to be and you sort of attract customers who are also similar. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I don't I don't like to, I personally don't like surprises, so I don't like springing surprises on customers like surprise new product. I kind of like to build up to it because I just, that's how I roll. Um, and it's, so far it seems to be, for want of a better word, a formula yes. um, that works. But it's, Really, honestly, I'm just kind of doing it on the fly mm. and um, it seems to be working. You wouldn't know. You would not know at all. I'm um, Kirsten, tell me about getting help and assistance within the business and what you're doing every day. I know there's been some various milestones through the evolution of the business. What does that look like and what are the trigger points, I suppose, for you to say, okay, it is time to outsource that or it is time to bring in some in-house support with various areas? Yeah, so the biggest thing that we've moved from is um, when we first started, I was packing all the orders myself, taking them down to the post office, um, and then I did get a couple of um, friends come in and help me. They were working um, alongside me doing that as well, and I think it was about and probably 18 months in that I just thought, if I keep doing this, I cannot make the business grow because I'm just filling orders all day, which is a very important part of the business but it doesn't give you time to do anything else. And it's actually quite physically demanding. So by the end of the day, keeping in mind that I still was quite sick back then, I was just shattered. And so I couldn't really put my energy into anything else. So we actually made the decision to outsource that. We tossed up whether do we do we just go all in and get a warehouse and get staff and do all of it, all of it ourselves. And this is where I think probably being unwell was, was another sort of silver lining because I just realised I wasn't capable of being able to do that at that time. It's on the list now. Um, but so we, I came across a um, 3PL, third-party logistics company here in Brisbane, um, Lexington Logistics, run by um, husband and wife team, Dan and Mick, and they have just changed our business life. So I approached Deanne and said, would you consider taking us on board? And she said yes. And so now all of our orders come through our own website but then get synced up with Lexington Logistics and they are responsible for sending out all of the orders. Um, and they specialise in looking after smaller, more boutique businesses like ourselves. So it was very seamless and everything that we do for our customers, they continue to do um, in terms of, you know, making sure there's occasionally there's... Um, we, I used to handwrite notes for every order but... Eventually, we got to the point where that just wasn't doable. But, you know, if I put in a request with the warehouse, they'll do it. So that's that was our first big outsourcing moment. And that's been great. It also means that as business owners, we can actually take a break from the business. Yes. Which is really important um, because we, I just, 
you know, even with social media, it's all consuming. You just, I feel like I'm on my phone 24 seven. So it's really nice to be able to just at Christmas time, particularly have a decent break and a reset and get ready for the year ahead. I think that's something a lot of business owners, especially small business and in our very first few years starting up, we think, no, we've just got to burn the candle at both ends. And it's really important not to do that. So that's the biggest thing we outsource. And now um, I, I'm talking to you now from home, my home office. So everything's um, like admin wise is run from home, but I have a very small team of um, creatives that I outsource to. So I have a couple of product photographers that also works really well. I just send them our products and a brief and then they send back the images. And I have a Brisbane based photographer that I work with here as well when I want in-person photography and, you know, then just all the other usual things like an accountant and bookkeeper and whatnot. The fun so, stuff. Yeah, all the things that I think the biggest thing I learned is get rid of the things you're not good at first. Absolutely. Numbers are not my strong point. And that was one of the first things is I just said that has got to go to a professional. (laughs) I totally agree. (laughs) I hate doing data entry and book work. It's dreadful. And I just got to play to your strengths. I think that um, it's pretty typical early in a business to bootstrap as much as you can, but a point Mm -hmm. comes where you must start playing to your strengths. Otherwise, there is no leverage. There's no opportunity for growth, whether that be Mm -hmm. from a trade business to a cosmetics business to a skincare business, fashion business, you name it. At some point, we need to leverage our time and spend our time working on what we should be working on, not the bookwork and the data. Correct. I don't think anybody should do that, outsource that to the professionals. Is there one thing on the converse of that that you did bootstrap in the beginning, you know, you took um, on board as part of your role and you continue to do and you're pleased that you held on to that, at least to this point? Um, I do all of the copywriting for everything. So um, I I built the first website that we had, but I then after, um, and that was just based on, I could do that based on the years spent blogging. I just knew what I wanted Um, but then it got to the point where I I now outsource that but I still am responsible for the day-to-day admin side of the website and all the copy and I run all the social media Um, and that's something that I really always want to continue to do because I just think it's really important that the business always comes from a place of our story Mm. Um, and I think that you know I mean I don't know how else I could explain to someone to explain that on my behalf yeah, absolutely. so and I think that just keeps things really genuine and authentic too so that you know when customers will send dms and messages and questions that's me answering them and it comes from a place of this is my experience and this is how I can help you mm. um, and it just makes it a bit more personal I think it's a big point yeah. of difference I think to most other companies I don't in fact I can't think of a single one small large medium and all the variations of where you're going to get the business owner actually answering those questions for you via social media and and email and your various other forms of contact that's incredible and I agree that in your case particularly it, it needs to be that way for people to have that authentic journey with you and it is a journey with skin particularly when mm-hmm. you reach a certain age the journey changes a bit and you yes. want to be on a journey with someone. You don't want to be doing it solo uh, with big brands and unattainable dreams that my skin's never going to look like those models. Whereas, mm-hmm. I, you know, I look at your skin, I think I can get there. I can do this because you're a real person. There's an advantage for me. I know you. I know that you live well. You take care of yourself. And I think, you know, there's it's a big key to your formula and your success is the understanding that you are a regular person 
I can actually get my skin to the same state yours is in if I just work and do some of the things that you've done with yours, particularly mm-hmm. obviously using the products, which I love. I'll just say another five times. <laughs> um, so I do think there's a big advantage. It does need to stay with that personal contact with you. It's pretty phenomenal to think that I can talk to the business owner, you know, when I do have a question around what my skincare needs to look like. Um, Kirsten, what's next? What, what what are your plans? What are you guys thinking about doing next without being two secret squirrels or spoiler alerts? <laughs> what would you um, like to see in the next five years? Well, we've always we're always working on more products, um, and we do have some a couple of new products in the pipeline. But, um, essentially, because it's still just the two of us in research and development, it's it takes a long time. Mm. Um, but I like it that way. I just think it's slow and steady wins the race. That's one of my life philosophies. And I think, you know, if you just keep plodding along and working, chipping away at things day by day, bigger things will come. So, yeah, we're working on some new um, products and we were, we desperately need to get into our own space. So, I mean, we've outgrown the home office, that's for sure. So that's um, definitely on the list for hopefully next year. We were just kind of riding out the last 18 months with everything that's gone on just to see how we would go. And fortunately, we managed to get through that okay. Um, And so, yeah, we're just continuing, continuing to build on what we already have and hopefully growing um, we've just launched Facebook marketing, working with um, someone doing that for us, and that's the first time we've even gone into paid advertising. So we're hoping that we can see some rewards from that. Um, and, yeah, I guess it's just trial and error, isn't it? We're just constantly evolving and testing new things and seeing what works for us as a business. Absolutely. How are you? This is probably my final question. It's a sneaky one. How will you continue to keep your health and your well-being top of mind through that time? You know, as you expand, it's going to be trickier I think to try and keep that balancing act going how how do you continue to make that the priority for you and your family um that is a great question because it is something that I do think about a lot but I um I have given myself this year particularly I've made myself take Wednesdays off Mm. because I I just think a day in the middle of the week and let's face it I mean today's Wednesday and I'm chatting to you so I don't I don't always take the entire day off but I think it's really important to just step away if you can but I also think that's part of the reason why you run your own business so you can make your rules and you might have to make that time up at a different stage during the week which you know probably might sound slightly counterproductive but I think psychologically for me if I just think okay Wednesdays are are my own day um, and I make sure on that Wednesday I do something that's just for me so you know it could be anything from going to get my nails done or going taking Percy for a really long walk along the waterfront Um, so really just prioritizing myself just doing all the really boring things that no one likes to do, like eating healthy food, drinking enough water every day, you know. But I, I, I'm a big fan of to-do lists, so each morning I just write down what I need to get done that day and I make sure I include healthy eating on there. And then, you know, some days I nail it, other days I fail at it. So um, I think flexibility is, is probably key. Yeah, I totally agree. Nice one. I'm a big fan of yours, Kirsten, as I think you know. Um, but I'd love for our listeners to understand where they can find out even more about you and find your products. That's so kind of you. So betterkit.com.au, it's spelt Betty. She my, was my grandma. Um, Betty, B-E-T-T-Y-Q-U-E-T-T-E.com.au and Betterkit on Facebook and Instagram. 
You really need to get over to Instagram, even if it's only to see Kirsten do a cardio at the local shopping centre on a frequent <laughs> basis. They're also my favourite posts. We must. Well, that's on my that's on my personal account, Nicole. Let's, <laughs> which people can follow. You're not going to see that on my um on my business side of things, but yeah, I do keep it light at um, Kirsten Co. That's for sure. <laughs> Our listeners will include all of the links into the show notes as well so that you can, with one tap, find everything you need to know about Kirsten and her beautiful products. Kirsten, thank you so much for volunteering to join me today. It's been really enjoyable to have a chat with you. Oh, thank you. I feel honoured to be part of your awesome podcast. You are also an inspiration to me, so thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to another episode of Ladies in Business. Got a guest you'd like us to interview? Maybe you have a story to share or some feedback to give. Find us on socials or drop us a message via the Tradies in Business website. Take care of yourself, ladies.